Well, welcome back to the Midweek Podcast. It is a joy to be here, Brent. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> so now, so now good. Stephen, I am not mowing, but there is for right, sure he, a guy right outside my house that's been mowing for a long, excessive amount of time. Listen, it's better than like a neighbor that lets it like grow over their house. So That's a good point. <laughs> so uh, thankfulness in all things. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a good time to be back here. And um, a little bit later, we'll have Josh and Jacqueline Coe on the podcast. And um, they're just a sweet couple who love the Lord and uh, have jumped right into to serving and being in community with our church. And so that'll be sweet to talk with them. And um, Brent, you were going to just share a little bit about um, how we can't make our own way to the way that we need Him. And so um, why don't you share with us just a little bit about what you were thinking about? Yeah, that's a, you know, one of the, if I had a, a few more minutes on on Sunday, it was something that I uh, I didn't take time to, to swing back around to, but in Acts 26, you have Paul's defense before Agrippa. And I'll read a little bit of that encounter as a reminder, but something I think is so important for us to remember is, is yes, absolutely, we cannot reason our way to God. We can't network our way to God. Uh, we only come to the Lord through the cross, right, through the confidence and, and the work of Christ. Uh, but at the same time, we want to realize that, that God also works and means, and that is certainly engaging people with the mind, uh, not being afraid to have hard conversations, not being afraid to have awkward conversations, not being afraid to, uh, to present the truth and to desire to persuade people. And uh, the difference between, we say persuasion, you know, I think we, we can easily think of a bad word with persuasion, sure. uh, but that's not true. I mean, we would want to persuade, you know, we'd want to persuade somebody not to, to harm themselves. We'd want to persuade somebody. As, uh, so that word may have some baggage sometimes, but persuasion is, is what a desiring what is ultimately the best for somebody. And that's that they would know the Lord, that they would see the glory and the love of the Lord and, uh, and rest in it. And so I want to read a little bit of this scene of, of Paul, you know, on his way to what he knows will eventually be his death. And all along the way, in all these encounters through the end of Acts, he's just being a faithful witness to every government official that God brings into his path and jailer and everything else. And it says in Acts, picking it up in Acts 26, uh, verse 21, uh, Paul says to King Agrippa, he says, for this reason, some Jews seized me in the temple and they tried to put me to death. So having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying both to small and great, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place. What is that? That's the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Uh, while Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. I love that. Uh, your great learning is driving you mad. But Paul said, I'm not out of my mind. Most excellent Festus, but I utter words of sober truth, for the king knows about these matters and I speak to him also with confidence, since I am persuaded that none of these things escape his notice. For this is, has not been done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do. Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time, you will persuade me to become a Christian. And Paul said, I would wish to God that whatever in a short or a long time, not only you, 
but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, uh, except for these chains. Uh, what a talk about a motivation, an unbelievable text that depicts uh, what I pray becomes my desire more and more, a desire to persuade people uh, to come to know Jesus. And so we want to use our minds, we want to learn, uh, and we want to know the Lord in such a way that He oozes out of our actions and our attitudes and our desires for other people. Our desire ought to be chief and foremost uh, to persuade people to come to know Jesus and that they would persuade them in such a way that that would become their greatest desire. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when a, when, a, when a mom, a single mom comes to know Christ, that her greatest desire becomes uh, to lead her children to, to come to know Christ and to lead other moms and parents and her parents to, to come to know Christ, and that when they come to know Christ, and this just exponentially uh, continues for the glory of God. So yes, we can't reason our way to God, but we absolutely ought to use our reason to point people to God, and knowing that if they do uh, come to Christ, it is a work of the Spirit. Uh, but oh, we ought to be bold to use our minds. Well, I've got the joy of being able to sit down with Josh and Jacqueline Co. Guys, thank you for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I say sit down with. Of course, I mean digitally over the interwebs. Um, but uh, thank you all for taking a little time just to share with us uh, a little bit about your life and what Grace Bible Church has meant to you. Um, where are you guys from originally? Um, originally I'm from born in California, but originally before here, at least, uh, Dallas area. Yeah. Yeah. And I was born in Chicago, but uh, my family moved to Dallas in high school. Um, so I've been in Texas since then. Cool. And how did you guys end up, um, here in Nacogdoches and specifically at Grace Bible Church? Yeah. So I came to SFA in 2012 to study music composition. And my freshman year, I um, came to know the Lord and quickly got connected at Grace Bible Church, Um, became a community group leader and the kids ministry intern for a year. And then um, after I graduated SFA, I left, I went to Houston um, to pursue a master's degree. And then uh, in that time, Jack and I got married and then we moved back so I could be an adjunct professor um, of music composition and music theory, which is what I'm doing now. Okay, cool. And uh, Jacqueline, you have you had you been to Grace before you guys got married and you came back with him? So we visited one time um, just when we were visiting, I think for someone's wedding shower or something. And um, so I had visited once, but that was all I really knew. And um, when we came, it was just a sweet time to get to like meet people that Josh had known from his college experience and kind of mm-hmm. connect the dots. So Grace Bible Church is uh, your your church family. How would you maybe describe just a few things that um, that stand out to you as, as things you cherish and things you value about being a part of this church? Yeah. Um, since I came to Grace Bible Church so quickly after becoming a believer, it played a big role in molding who I was going to be going forward. You know, a lot of my like um, 
initial discipleship relationships that I think are really crucial as you develop as a believer happened at Grace. Um, And so a lot of what was really impactful for me early on was coming through people and members um, or elders at GBC and um, a lot of the relationships that I built um, even among other college students have, have carried with me. Um, We actually have a zoom call with a bunch of the guys that I lived with while I was here. Um, So it, Mm. the, the relationships that were fostered at GBC have kind of shaped my trajectory as a believer and as a person too. Mm -hmm. I think that when I think about grace, I just think about um, community is so strong and people are so willing to just jump into your life and step into things with you, even if they, they don't really know you. I know um, I didn't know anyone coming to grace really. And so um, I very quickly felt just surrounded by these, these ladies um, at grace and just these couples um, and families that really just gave us a family here and gave us some of what we would consider our best friends. Um, but I think community is just, a, just a caring heart. Grace just has a caring heart for their, their, their people and in their community. Yeah. We have another, um, kind of reason to, to believe that about the people at Grace. Jack has a chronic illness. She has, um, something called POTS, which is a heart condition. Um, and it can be like limiting at times and it comes with like fatigue and stuff like that. And we've seen, um, Jack can speak more about this, but we've seen the community at Grace come up around us and be willing to help us in a lot of different seasons and in many ways, um, most of which we wouldn't have known to ask for. But just uh, the spirit feels like it just dwells really richly in this community of people and they're um, seeking ways to love one another and stir one another toward love and good works. Yeah. Even just from like little things of coming and giving me a meal when Josh is out of town or, or walking the dogs, I don't have to, or, um, I've had friends just come over and visit and just hang out with me when I'm feeling sick and then ending up like cleaning my whole kitchen for me. So I don't have to. And that's just something I think is just a unique, um, yeah, unique gift from, uh, from grace because, um, these people care, but they're like, going above and beyond to really serve. And, and even now just during COVID, we've had so many people shop for us. So we don't, I don't even have to get exposed. And, um, that's just been such a gift and a prayer that we weren't even praying, but the Lord has just been answering with, um, being able to be blessed and served by them and be protected in that way. So grace has just been unlike the family we, I knew to ask for, but the Lord, knew that that was a desire and just met it above and beyond what we could have even asked for. Um, Yeah. That love and like community that Jack was just talking about has really set the tone for us in our own service of others. Like we've had amazing examples of what it looks like to care for the people around us and to look for ways to serve that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise. Like just one example um, is we had friends the Garas who had twins and that's, it was their first two babies. And that's a lot for, for anyone to take on. And um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Jack is such a servant hearted person in general. She had the idea um, to babysit one night a week for the Garas to take a few um, feedings off of their hands, just knowing that 
that is way more than first time parents often have to deal with. And so we had the opportunity to take care of the Garas and take care of their babies by going over on Friday evenings and taking like, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was like the eight, 10 and 12 shift or something like that. (laughs) Um, And just, yeah, just like love on their whole family. And that was like such a blessing to us. We feel like we have a special connection to those babies and like a, a new and like growing connection with, with the Garris. Um, Nick was one of my friends that I lived with, like I mentioned earlier in college. And so we knew one another as like single men. And then we knew one another as dating men. We were both in one another's weddings. And then now to like get to care for his kids weekly. Um, that's just like such a special way to like live life with one another. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was sweet too because um, the Gares were one of the first couples that kind of welcomed me into Grace's community. And um, Shelby's been such a sweet prayer partner. So we prayed together um, multiple occasions. And um, we just feel so gifted that um, that someone would open up their family to us as well. I think that's just been mm-hmm. such an amazing blessing. We don't have kids of our own right now. And so um, being able to get to love on these two little babies and and do the things that like we wouldn't normally get to do if we're just visiting someone, but get to burp the babies and feed them and sing them to sleep. And just all those <laughs> things are so special. And the Gares, I feel like just have um, blessed us so deeply by allowing us to be a part of that. And, um, and also taught us a lot of what it looks like to be a humble um, receiver of service. Mm. And that has been a huge um just, I think a beautiful example of Christ's, um, heart of receiving help in, in need and, um, being willing to just step into that with others. And it's encouraged my heart. Just, I don't always like being in need, but, um, to be willing to let people help and serve. Yeah. Yeah. So I think people tend to, um, to often isolate themselves or, uh, maybe not even realize that they need something like this. Um, I know so many men who are just lonely, you know, who just don't have any real friends. And I know um, a lot of families that don't open their homes up very often to have other people in or vice versa. They don't go over to other people's homes very often, or they're not a part of a small group or that kind of thing. And so obviously hearing how much of a part of your life that is, uh, and how important that has been to you. What are just some ways you would encourage someone who's maybe hesitant or maybe just doesn't even know that they need it yet? Yeah, I think I would encourage um, just people in our church to to be brave and to bold, be bold and to go out and try a community group, try a couple of community groups. Um, and it can be scary when you don't know um, anyone in that group, but um, it's so worth it. It's so worth putting yourself out there um, for that moment of uncomfortableness, for the gain of these lifelong friendships and um, just these sweet gifts. And so I would encourage people to get involved um, through serving and we talk to Cynthia about being a part of the welcome team or, or John to help with the kids, because that's a great way to get to meet other people in the church body. Um, there are so many great generations um, throughout our church that are so worth meeting and um, going to the or the, the ladies' retreats and the men's retreats um, is a great way to meet people that you would never meet in any other um, way. 
And then once we get back to normal uh, kind of life at church to don't leave right after the service, you know, stay a couple of minutes longer in your seat and someone's going to come up and uh, say hi to you and, and want to introduce you to others. And so um, the effort of putting into it to, to be uncomfortable is so worth the payoff in the end. And so I think that's what I would encourage. I think it's easy to forget that church isn't just listening to a sermon or um, like dropping the kids off at kids ministry or something like that. But it's really like the capital C church. It's the community of believers in which the spirit dwells. um, And like the Lord loves to work through his body. Like there's so much richness in fellowship with other believers and so many opportunities for repentance and growth in Christ when you get with one another. And there's even like a biblical directive to seek this out in Hebrews. It says, don't neglect to meet with the brothers. So like the Lord wants us to be fellowshipping with one another um, in a more intimate setting than just like coming together on a Sunday morning. Um, And he like wants that for our good. Yeah. There's also, um, I think a great blessing of going to church on Sunday and, and receiving the teaching, but then there's something extra that comes as well. Um, that we get to grow in when we're in our community during the week, going on walks with our friends or having dinner and praying with our our friends through our community groups. Those things have grown us and challenged us and um, encouraged us in ways that continue what has been, you know, declared from the from the pulpit. Um, so the the blessing of being a part of grace is amazing, but. If you're not a part of the community, you're missing out on such a huge part of grace that is there for everyone in the church, um, and it's offered to all of us. So, Thank you all so much for being a part of uh, our community, our family, and uh, our church family as well, um, and um, appreciate your encouragement and your challenge to us to, to love others and to serve others well. So thanks again for being here with us. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we love you guys. This Sunday, we got John 7, 40 through 52. Last week, and really the last two weeks, there's probably been wondering of what is the reaction to these words that Jesus has been speaking here at the uh, at the festival. And what we see forming in John chapter 7 is there's four camps that are really stewing about in this chapter. And so we're going to walk through each of those four camps, these, these four reactions to who do you say Jesus is? And it's pretty incredible because the applications to today's culture are just, I mean, it's its all cultures, all times, this question of who is Jesus, it naturally separates us into at least four different camps. As a matter of fact, I got an email this week from uh, Jerry Baker, and uh, it was uh, it was referencing this study on by uh, the, the Barner Research Group. It uh, just came out here recently. It was a study done this year. And it had some points that uh, I well, just want to reference to you. I don't think you've heard this yet, Stephen. I don't uh, think so. <clears throat> so our first category we see back in verse 12 is that people, you know, some of the crowd is saying that Jesus is a good man. He's, and he's a good man. And so they, they're able to validate that. Well, in this study, it found that of Americans, 44% believe that Jesus sinned. So he may have been God. And this is what's incredible. Is he, he, mm. he, is, he may be God, but he's also... 
fully human, not in the sense that he has human nature, but that he has a fallen human nature. So uh, 44% of Americans believe that Jesus sinned. And Mm. you, you think about why would a belief like that, and what a wild thought to think, okay, Jesus is God, but he's a sinner like me. And, you know, you, you think about why would somebody be persuaded by such an opinion? Not, I don't think it's simply that they say, okay, they're aware of their sin, but hey, if Jesus is a sinner, he is certainly not worthy of being the Lord of my life. He's not worthy of worship. So it's kind of in the same way they're able to say he's a good man, but he's not the holy God worthy of worship. So there's a ton more answers, but but what I hope for this Sunday, Stephen, is that that people would come with a... Uh, and invite other people to come and to watch because these four camps uh, from this text and John 7 as a whole, back in verse 12, uh, are extremely enlightening. And uh, it's I'm just excited to see what Lord's, the Spirit's going to do through uh, this text this week. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about the video that uh, I know I appreciate you putting that together. And uh, and Jenny did a great job uh, receiving videos from folks doing that that story. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. First of all, I had so much fun editing that. I was laughing the whole time, uh, just with, with some with joy and just some just because kids are funny. Um, and um, and so we're yeah. It, it was just uh, kind of amazing to see how many of our kids know that, and um, and I know that like a lot more a lot more of our adults and other ages know that now um, because of you know we've been we've been doing that Bible overview in these videos the past seven or eight weeks. And, um, we're going to continue to do that this week and, uh, hopefully have some, some different faces there, but you know, um, it's, we, we all need that. We all need to know what the, 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 the overarching story of, uh, scripture is. And, uh, Jesus is indeed the one who came to save and he conquered the grave. And so it's good for us. Um, it's good for us to rehearse that. Just like you know, it's good for us as we as we sing songs about uh, who God is and what Christ has done for us and our sin and need for Him, and you know we go through this God Man Christ response portion of our service or um, thread through our service. Um, we do that again, and so just like you jump in with that Bible overview, you know we jump in with doing the motions with our kids, and mm. um, we do that because we need to train ourselves. Um, we need to be reminded of the truth. We need to preach to ourselves. Um, and sometimes that may feel like just another thing we do because we do it. Um, but the truth is, is that we, we need it. Um, it's good for us. We, you know, apart from the grace of God, why, why wouldn't we veer toward some of these false teachings that some of um, these people are believing like we're talking about? Um, only by God's grace are we not there. So we preach to ourselves in these various ways to be able to be reminded of the truth. Amen, Stephen. Amen. Well, it'll be good to worship again together this Sunday in our homes, and um, we'll look forward to virtually seeing you there. Yeah, getting closer and closer week by week to getting back in person. Every week it's closer. 